It's a Christianese term, the new covenant. Just exactly what is the new covenant? Well, stick around and find out next on Truth For Today. The New Covenant, it's a term that is pretty much exclusive to the Christian community. So exactly what does the New Covenant mean and why is it so important to us? And what are the blessings of this New Covenant? These are questions we're answering here on this weekend edition of Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Welcome to the broadcast from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us here in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, as we take a look at the blessings of this new covenant. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast. God said even as far back as Jeremiah, way back there in the prophets and Ezekiel, there's coming a time I'm going to give a new covenant and I'm going to roll up the old one because you fail miserably under it. And I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do it with a new high priest at a new sanctuary based upon a new sacrifice. I'm going to do something internally in my people that the law cannot do. And the old covenant failed. And the failure, once again, was the people. We didn't keep it. Isn't it something... uh, Sometimes you hear people say, well, I want to know the will of God. You know what? Hear me. The problem with most of us is not knowing it. It's doing it. We're knowledge saturated. You mean you don't know? You don't know what God expects? Or is it, I don't want to do what he expects. I can't explain it. I got something in there that when he says stand up, I want to sit down. When he says, don't, I want to. Why? What's wrong? You got to have something change in you that only God can do. It's really the promise of regeneration. Being born again inside where God gives you a new nature, a new heart, a new spirit. That's why Nicodemus was supposed to know when Jesus said, you need to be born of water and the Spirit, Nicodemus. And he's clearly, you mean you want me to be born from my mother again? No, no. Oh, teacher of Israel, don't you know this? Don't you know that Ezekiel said, God will cleanse you, sprinkle you with water, and do something in your spirit? He goes on and he says, I will put my laws into their minds And write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. A new internal work. Uh, Nothing is as empty as heartless ritual ceremonialism. You know what? There will be millions of people today show up at places of worship and they will go through the motions and they'll drop in their little offering and they'll do this and that. They'll genuflect. Maybe they may do the sign of the cross. They may do the Protestant uh, rituals, whatever. And God be a thousand miles from them because ritualism and externalism isn't what God wants. That's not what he wants. 
He's not impressed. He's not even impressed with your offering unless your heart was in the offering. Just mere externalism does not, that's not what he wants. He wants our heart captured. And then he says in verse 11, I will see to it that you know me. Everyone will not be teaching his neighbor and each one his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. The new covenant says, I'm going to give you a true knowledge of God. Let me ask you a question and really sincerely think about it. Do you honestly, can you honestly say you know God? Do you know God? Is it possible? Do you know God? Not about him. Not to, well, I hear there's one out there. Uh, not, not about him. Do you know him in the sense of being a family member? That I know him as my father. I know him as a child. I know God. Is that true? It's interesting when he wanted to express the intimacy of marriage in the Old Testament, he would say he knew his wife. That was the modest way of the Old Testament saying they consummated the marriage. They were physically one. But, but the, the modesty of the Old Testament said he knew her. It wasn't facts about her. He had an intimacy there that was reserved only for marriage. You get First John. These things were written that you might know that you have eternal life. He that has the Son, Jesus Christ, has eternal life. Now let me ask yourself, how many people do you think will die and meet God that will be full of religious activity, full of re religious works. They did everything within their framework of understanding to uh, uh, please God, uh, to appease God, uh, sacrifices to God. All of the religious, man is a very, very religious being. He'll bust out some way. But can you say you know God? And here he says, no longer will they be saying, hey, let me teach you how to know God. Let me teach you how. No, he said, something internal will take place in them so that they will know God from the least to the greatest. It's going to go beyond Israel and Judah. It's going to become universal that you will know God. Now, a very scary verse in Matthew 7 says, people die with the assumption they know God only to find out they don't know him. They show up and they simply start saying, Lord, Lord, you know us. We're the folks that did all this religious activity in your name. We cast out demons. Try that. That's a little tough. You better be sure you can get beat up. It happened in Acts. I used to tell folks, 
As Pentecostals cast them out, you Baptists taught them. Not everybody wants to deal with demon-possessed people. It's a little scary. But they actually claimed that. And Jesus didn't say they didn't do it. He didn't call them a liar for that. Uh, we did this in your name. We did that. Well, as far as I'm concerned, when I first read the narrative, I say, well, man, they're in. They got it made. You do that kind of religious activity. You've got it made. And he simply says, I'm, I never knew you. I've never known you. You've never been mine. I didn't know you and lose you. I never did know you. How many preachers are going to show up in heaven that he's going to say, I never knew you? How many deacons? How many of you are going to show up? And him say, I don't know you. You went through the motions. You showed up on Sunday. Matter of fact, you're a nice person. But you never knew me. He says, this new covenant is out not to make you religious externally and go through all this. But he wants to do a heart work in us so that inside of us, there's a new heart and a new spirit and a new relationship with God so that we call God Abba, Father. You're my Father. I know you. I've been born in your family. I know you. And then he says something that's so beautiful. I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Under the old covenant, covenant, every year God remembered all your sins. They came due at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 16. Every 360 days, God remembered, you've blown it, you're a sinner, and the debt is due. And even when you killed a sacrifice, it wasn't paid. He just gave you time. Nothing in the Old Testament paid for the sins. Nothing. You just went through the motion, and God gave you time, and every sin that was covered had to be forwarded to the cross. That's the only place a sacrifice ever got rid of sin. The cross work of Christ. Animal blood, Hebrews 10, never did atone completely. It was to buy you time and move the balloon payment up to the cross. If there was no cross, all that Old Testament sacrifice would have accomplished nothing. Do you mean we've killed thousands of animals only to be said, you still remember our sins? Yes. But in the new covenant, with a new high priest, with a new sacrifice, with a new sanctuary. I plan to do a work in you, and one of my works is, I will forever choose never to remember your sins again. Can it be true? For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I thought God was mad at my iniquities. He should be, but he said, I've decided to show mercy it will cost me my son, but I will show mercy. And I will remember their sins no more. When God chooses to forget something, it's self-chosen. He's all-knowing. It's ideal. I'll never bring it up again. I'll never deal with it again. I choose to put it in the sea of forgetfulness. I choose to put it behind me as far as the east is from the west. 
And one man used to say, put it in the sea of forgetfulness, and he put a no fishing sign there. Don't go fishing. Look at all of you. Is there anything in your past you wish you couldn't remember? You'd say, oh, I wish I could do that over again. What was I thinking when that happened? Uh, oh, what you can do before you're 25. What you can do. And many limp through the rest of their life trying to recover from the foolish decisions they made by the time they were 25. Unwed children. Children out of wedlock. Habits. Killing. Horrendous things that happen in the human experience. And in your own heart, you're saying, oh, that I could forget it. And you can't. And what's hurtful is there's many people in your life that won't let you forget it. Especially if it was against them. And they're going to remind you, remind you. And now the holiest being in all the universe says, in the new covenant that I'm offering, I promise you this. I'm going to have mercy on you. And I've chosen that I will never bring your sins up against you. I'll let my son's sacrifice be enough. This is called the gospel. This is called, you mean you get to walk? Yeah, you get to walk. But not because you've got a stupid judge. You've got a righteous judge that has righteously dealt with our sins in the death of his son. This is gospel. Uh, it's wonderful, you know, uh, I was just kind of thinking, if we had time, we would look at 2 Corinthians, where he, uh, he gives four other things, but let me just rattle them so I can get off my mind. But you don't need to write it down. Uh, there he said, the Judaizers were wanting a covenant written in ink, because they were boxing with Paul in 2 Corinthians. He said, ours has been done by the Spirit. Theirs is temporary. Ours is permanent. Theirs is done on stone. Talking about the law. What God's doing, he writes it on the heart. The fleshly tablets of the heart. Uh, he says that in that covenant, way back there, he uh, uh, reached in and it's temporary. And Moses had to take, uh, keep the veil on because it was passing. The new covenant will never pass. And the one killed, the letter killed. It wasn't the letter of interpretation. The law killed. Something good wound up killing me. Because you've got to kill the offender. The law was good, but part of the law. See, when you say you're under law, you're under penalty too. You see, if you go out here and say uh, uh, 55 mile an hour speed limit, and is that good advice or is that law? What well, makes the difference between good advice and law? Penalty. If you break it, we're going to arrest you, fine you, pull you over. When you say you're under law, it's not just under all these great statutes. You're under penalty for breaking any of them. 
And that's why the ladder kills. We keep breaking. Over here, in the new covenant, we're forgiven. And God gives us the spirit that enables us to keep the law without even trying to. Because he who loves obeys everything the law says. You remember what Jesus said to a man that was bragged at being a righteous man? He said, uh, uh, I've kept all these commandments all my life. He said, let me test you in one area. I wonder, you racist, if you could love a crippled, beat-up Samaritan or a man by the road, because you just told me that the essence of the law is to love God and to love your neighbor. And the guy said, I agree. And then he says, by the way, who is my neighbor? I get to pick who I love, don't I? Don't I? And he better not be black and I'm white because I don't have to love black folks. Oh, oh is that right? You get to pick who you love. Well, is he a Jew or Gentile? Is he rich, poor? Uh, some, some little quotient you got to rationalize who you can love. Does he have to have your last name? He said, no, 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 let me tell you a story. The two most religious people in your world had no time to help a broken man, a fallen man, and they knew the law backwards and forward, but they had no love for God to help a neighbor. Why is it some Christians are so rigid and they know all the rules, but you can't get them to love? Because they may be going to hell with a bunch of rules. Well, the thing that happens when you meet this God is you don't get a rule book. You get a new heart. You get a new disposition. You know, I have to say something that uh, I think about when I got saved. Uh, I was 14, and uh, these people that my folks went to church with, uh, they looked like people that got off the ark. These were old-timey Christians. You don't know anything I'm talking about. But I'm not These were old-timey Christians. These women didn't wear makeup. They had a long, I mean, they had dress code. They were strict about dress. No short sleeves. I mean, a different day, 50s. And you couldn't hardly do anything. Everything that you thought was fun, they made a rule against. I mean, you didn't want them to ever catch you smiling. They might make a rule. It was strict. All kinds. Strict. Strict. I didn't want it. I loved the music. Uh, much of my family was there. I loved even the spirit of the meetings. But man, in my mind, I'm saying, I can never run with these people. I can never. I'm too young to die. There's too many dances to go to. Too many girls that need a lip lock. I, I, I just, I got to share my life with many. And it ain't in this church. And if, if I'm going to die in this life, I guess I'm not going to be with old people, gray hair, buns. I mean, I really mean it. These women, they're like, this was like, you, you're looking, who would you be? The Puritans are, uh, you're going way back. And, and I'm already stealing records down at Art's Record Store because Elvis has just come out. And, and BB, I'm stealing once a week with Six and McDonald. Let me tell you, I am. Never got caught either. So I'm here, and I think, good night. I'd like to go to heaven, but I surely don't have to travel with this crowd. 
guess what? That Tuesday night Bible study, God came down and he put a new heart in me, a new spirit, a new set of desires, a new this, a new that. He changed me inside out. So I spent the rest of my youth running with a bunch of old gray-headed women and men who were going to heaven. Because they became kinfolks. You see, there's, a, there's an old song that says, the world looks bright when I get right. Quit trying to change everybody else. You change. He changes us in the heart. Oh, you're the critic. You're the critic. Who made you the critic? Judge yourself. Judge yourself. I don't need you judging me. I've already passed the judgment bar of God. And he said, you're justified by faith. Don't take on God. Who can condemn him whom God's justified? Not even Satan. Not even Satan. I have a defender up there. But you know what? I fell over, head over heels in love with Christians. I didn't care what color they were, what age they were. I didn't care about how they dressed, didn't dress. I didn't care about these rules, that rule. Carol and I said, we never knew what legalism was. We just fell in, kept every rule they had, and had a ball. You know why? The rules didn't make us. We got a new heart. We could live under all those rules. We did it. I didn't go to shows. My wife never wore makeup until I started this church. Because the people we ran with didn't believe in makeup. When I started this church, I said, you know what, sweetheart? There's no Bible against it. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and wear it? <laughs> right? Like that. And I didn't tell her every barn needs paint. I didn't use that. No, no. No, I just said, go ahead. But we, were, we didn't want to offend any of those people. And it didn't bother us. Some people say, what was it hard for you being around all those legalists? What was it? We couldn't spell it. Why? All we wanted to do was pray, give, serve, and love. Man, I hugged every gray-headed woman that church. had been my Sunday school teachers. And I'm in a leather jacket, got a fist load in one pocket. So I thought I might have to beat up somebody at church, you know. Weighed at least 90 pounds. I was a threat. Just a little punk. A little punk. And in a moment, in a moment, I fell in love with those people. They became my people forever. They still are. I don't care how small a group, how backward. That's where sometimes we're trying to make the church likable for young people. Let me tell you, young people, what you need is not only anybody young around here. Is when you meet Jesus, you're not worried about what age the group you're running. Anybody that loves him and his name, I want to run with. That's who I want to run with. Well, we're under a new covenant, whether you like it or not. Don't try to get me under law. Don't try to get me under rituals. Don't try to get me under ceremonialism. I'm under a new high priest. I'm under a new covenant. And the proof is, he's changing me inside out. What about you? When he saves you, you won't be miserable. That's why I believe some of you aren't saved. You look too miserable to be saved. And, and he'll actually notify your face. Because a joyful heart makes a happy countenance. 
And that brings us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Closing out our program, I'd like to leave you with our contact information, especially in light of the fact that this is a listener-supported ministry. And as you contact us, not only with prayer support, but financial support as well, we're able to continue the ministry, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Friday as well here on KFAX. Please prayerfully consider that as you contact us today with your gift, 855-833-9864 is our phone number. Again, that's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And another way to contact us, probably the easiest, is through our website, valleybible.org. It's there that you can even take advantage of our secure online donations. You can also take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth and walk in Christ. Again, valleybible.org. It's there that we also have a bit more information about who we are and what we believe and directions if you would like to join us for worship. Service times are at 9 and 11 this morning, and we'd love to see you face-to-face. And don't forget, as you partner with us financially and become a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, along with access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video by Pastor Phil. Find out more at valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.